What Are You Made Of? It's Mike C-Rock. Welcome to What Are You Made Of? Every episode of this podcast is centered around building ourselves and the people in our lives to reach our full potential. I hope that the experiences and stories of success from these conversations can give you rocket fuel to reach new heights and help you answer the question, What Are You Made Of? What Are You Made Of? I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at MikeCRock.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. And subscribe to the What Are You Made Of podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. If you like watching these, it's available on YouTube at my channel, Mike C-Rock Scirocco. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of What Are You Made Of with your boy, the unstoppable Mike C-Rock. I'm in the house today with a friend of mine. I was on his podcast recently and I couldn't help but bring him on to mind because he's such a nice guy and he's also well accomplished, which, which you'll hear about here very shortly. I'm really looking forward to digging into what ingredients have gone into making Mike Malatesta. But that's my guest, Mike Malatesta. He's an entrepreneur who has helped start, grow, and sell two amazingly successful waste management companies. One sold for mid-eight figures and the other sold for low nine figures. He also created and hosted the How to Happen podcast, which is what I was on in the past here. And he explores stories, lessons, and wins with some of the most fascinating, successful people in the world. And uh, you know, I was one of those some, I guess. It's fascinating, successful. Man, I fit right in that. You definitely, man. You're right in my wheelhouse. <laughs> and he's got a new book called Ownership. How getting selfish got him unstuck or got me unstuck, but he's talking about him. Yeah. It's a philosophical memoir that reveals the secrets to why so many entrepreneurs get stuck and how they can shift to get free once again. Mike, great to see you, buddy. Welcome to the show. C-Rock, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Uh, thanks for being here. I love to start with gratitude, man. Gratitude's the best. So uh, yeah, let's get into it, man. We start the show, every show with the same question. So sticking with tradition, Mike, what are you made of? I am made of choices. And it wasn't always that way, Mike. For a long time, maybe most of my entrepreneurial career, I was made of decisions. And I got really good at making decisions because I thought that's where my value was. You know, The quicker I could make a decision, the more accomplished I was and the more valuable I was to the people on the team and the bigger hero you know, that I was as well. But you know, when I, there's a period of time in my book that I talk about that I call the valley of uncertainty. And it's a place where I dropped off about a, about. 10 or 11 years into my entrepreneurial career. And, and to get out of that valley took a lot of time and a lot of help and a lot of introspection. But one of the things that I really came away with on my journey out of there was that I need to be, I need to, I need my life to be about making choices and not making decisions. And the difference there is, you know, decisions are quick and they're sort of instinctual and they're transactional. And choices are introspective, they're deliberate, deliberative, they're future focused and they're more intentional. And so I made that shift and that's that's something I recommend for everybody to, to consider, but it's been a great thing for me. The choices is what I'm made of. Wow, man. Uh, if you're taking notes, you might want to write that down, man. Decisions are more transactional. Choices are more intentional. Still now, is that your definitions of them or is that the definitions of them? I'm curious and I look up definitions a lot. Yeah, and while we're doing this, I'm going to yeah, look go these up. And, but go ahead but, and look them up. That but is I'd love a, to dig. That is not a Merriam-Webster definition. That is my definition of my distinction between the two things, and um, they're not the same word. I can tell you that as a student of words, but that is not the definition out of the uh, out of the uh, dictionary. Yeah. So, and again, I'm I'm a stickler for 
definitions. And I also love interpretations of words because I do the same thing. So, but a choice is an act of selecting or making a decision. So it's got the word decision in the definition, but when faced with two or more possibilities, and by the way, this is something I've learned recently. I took a study course. I was out in LA and took a study course on how to study. And one of the three things and three reasons that people, I'm not teaching you, Mike, I'm preaching to you right now. I'm preaching purely to the audience, but three reasons that people don't learn or cannot properly consume when they're reading something or talking to someone. And one of the main ones is they pass a word they don't understand. And so it always intrigued me. So I look up words all the time. And when I'm reading, what I did, I learned this technique. Actually, every page I read, I scan the page real quick to see if there's a word I don't understand. And if I don't understand a word, I don't read the page. I stop. I look up the word first. Then I go back and read the page. And it's allowed me to read five times faster. Oh, and I don't ever run into the situation where I'm, uh, I'm reading a paragraph and then I, I'm, like, I just black out and I'm like, what did I just read? That eliminates it. And it's because we pass words we don't understand. This has nothing to do with choices and decisions, by the way. This is just something that it, it, I'm off yeah. on a tangent, man. Bring me it's back. A good aside, yeah, it's a good aside <laughs> though, because, because I do the same thing. If I can't get the, the interpretation of the word or a good definition from the context of the words around it, I look it up because otherwise I pass it over and I make an assumption about what it meant, or I have no idea, yep. which doesn't help me. Neither one of those helps me if I'm not correct. Well, and by the way, there's actually a physiological thing that happens to you when you do that. And when you it'll, skip it or when you look at when it you up? when you skip over a word oh. or when you pass a word you don't understand yeah and you actually will block out what you're reading ever you know as far past that word what I did was I went through this whole lecture and I'm reading the transcript of a lecture yeah. and then when I went back and the, the the supervisor that watches and helps you with the study went back and I they help you scan the page after you've already been through it I got all the way to the last page it was about twenty pages and an hour long lecture. And I found a word when I scanned after I had already done it that I didn't understand. I was honest. I said, hey, I, don't, I, I missed one. Yeah. And I didn't know this. They made me go back to complete this whole course. They made me go back and do the same lecture again from the beginning. Oh, okay. Because when you miss a word, your, body, your mind does not record it. It's crazy. And, I, and I, then from that point on, I didn't miss a word. And I absorbed everything. It was like a night and day difference. So it was pretty cool. It's a little off topic. Huh. Uh, Decision, a conclusion or resolution reached after consideration. Mm-hmm. A conclusion or resolution reached after consideration. So the choice has to do with two or more options. And a decision is a conclusion or resolution reached after consideration. Yeah. So I, yeah, I get it, man. So tell me, tell me, give me an example of something in your past of where you made a decision and how that same scenario could have been a choice instead. Yeah. Well, I, I, <clears throat> So the biggest, I guess the biggest, um, the biggest thing I could tell you is that when I was, I started my business from scratch, my first business start, like true startup. And I went into it with a mentality that I had a lot to learn, right? So not only did I have a lot to learn, but I had a lot of things that I had to decide on. And sometimes I had to decide on things before I was able to learn them, right? Have you ever been in that situation? Or you, of course. People expect it and you decide. Of course. So and I got used to that. And then, as I mentioned earlier, when I was sort of breaking my uh, interpretations of those words up, I just was like a decision machine. My whole value was on how quickly I could respond to something with an answer that either was, in my mind at least, or appeared to be correct, right? Or mm-hmm. so, that, so that people could come away with what they wanted. And I kind of I just thought that speed and all of that was very, very important. But here's what I wasn't doing during that time. I wasn't thinking about the biggest thing was I wasn't thinking about where what I actually wanted and where I actually wanted to go. So 
I got into this business and I'm doing all this thing. I think it was the right thing at the time, but then, you know, 10 years or so into it, I was still behaving the same way and doing the same things and thinking to myself that I was being like super valuable as a result of this. So I had tricked mm-hmm. myself really because what I'm supposed to be doing as a leader is leading the organization to a point, to a, to a purpose or to a point or to a future or to a property that we could you know, own and make our own, you know, own, pay for it, own. And it would be breaking through wherever we are now and getting to a future place. But instead of doing that work, like instead I was just wrapped up in, you know, the value I got from making decisions. So I just wasn't, I was not future focused. I was present focused. And of course you have to be present focused in life, but you, in order for you to be really purposeful or for me, at least I had to change the way I was doing it, let other people make decisions so that I could free up time to make choices yeah, that I could yeah. then bring back. Yeah. I love that, man. Because that's that's something as and as you scale a company, you need to be kind of shielded to those everyday problems. Yes. And you should be focused on the, your vision and being a visionary and executing that. And you don't want to hear any negative stuff. Like unless it's an absolute emergency, something you need to be like, keep it away from me. I want to focus because it happens to me. I experience this and I get caught up in the, what we call present day problems. Mm-hmm. And what I've seen, and I'd love to hear your take on this. And then, and then after this, I want to get into where you grew up and all that too, because I want to hear about it growing up. But you know, you're focused on this vision in the future. Now, everybody should be focused on this future vision. And as long as you're focused on that, the everyday problems, they don't really, they shouldn't take your focus. You should knock things out or get somebody to handle them, keeping your focus out here. But when you have your focus out here and you fail for some reason, or you have a setback, you br- bring your attention back to the present day problems again. And now you're like, you're talking about, you're dealing with these present day problems. And if you don't really quickly refocus back onto the future, when somebody gets your attention or distracts you, you get caught in this. And then when you have a failure in here, then your detention directly goes to the past. Yeah. And that's what leads to destruction in businesses and lives and, and, and relationships as leaders and you know, uh, entrepreneurs and executives and founders, CEOs, we have to keep that future focus and get back to that as quickly as possible. And that's why it's so important. What I do is constantly I'm writing my goals down. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm writing them down all the time to keep reminding me and keep my focus straight. So is that what you're kind of talking about there? Yeah. You said, you said a lot of things there and I, I'm going to dig in a little bit on a couple sure. of them if you don't mind. So yeah, man. the one thing is the, this, what you should be doing as a CEO, entrepreneur, whatever, you know, looking to the future is way easier to say than it is to do because your business is like a gravitational force Mm. (laughs) and it's drawing you back. It does not want you to do that. It wants you to come back. And look, the reality I think too is easier to say than do, much harder to do than to stay in the gravitational force because in the gravitational force, Mm. in the present, you are very comfortable. Right? You're comfortable doing mm-hmm. what needs to be done. You're sort of orchestrating and reacting at the same time. When you step up, when you when you say, "Well, I'm going to step aside. I'm going to work on my business instead of in my business," or "I'm going to work on the future. I'm going to make deliberate choices." That's hard work, and you separate yourself and you think, "Well, what if I can't do it?" <laughs> or, you know, you're 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 sort of sitting there like, "Oh, I'm bored because I'm actually not really going to yeah. work in to do it." Yeah. And that's what you were just talking about. Yep. It kind of brings you, sucks you back in. It is easy to get sucked back in. It's like Ross Perot had that saying when he, if anybody remembers Ross Perot, when he was running for president, all the jobs were moving to Mexico at the time. And 
he said, you know, there's this giant sucking sound and that's all of our jobs going to Mexico. Well, that sucking sound is your business sort of, you know, vacuuming mm-hmm. you back in if you let it and it's easy to let it. So I know there's, there's so many people out there saying, we've all heard it a million times work, you know, on your business, not in your business. And it's easy to get on a stage and say that it's very, very difficult to separate yourself like what, like what I'm talking about and actually start working on a future that you want to, to own. Yeah. Because anybody that has any um, work ethic, like we all grew up, like most successful people have a work ethic, but we also have a bad, I would say, belief that we have to be busy. And only when you're busy, you're important. That's right. Because people come home from work. Oh, so busy today. And Makes them feel important, whether they got anything done or not, and whether they were doing their role as a CEO or you know a founder, an entrepreneur or not, visionary, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But they're busy, and that makes them important. And that's what you're talking about that pool, because I feel it sometimes too. And at the end of the day, I'm like, okay, what did I get done today? Right. But I shouldn't be asking that question because what gets done doesn't mean that that's going to produce something. That's what did I produce today? That's a different story. Yeah. Did I do my job? My job is not. Is my job getting a lot of stuff done, getting caught up in everything, being the hero, or is my job something else? Yeah. Yeah. Bigger? Yeah. Damn, that's a good, good topic, man. I know this stuff, but it's always good to rekindle it a little bit, you yeah. know, because because <laughs> I'm actually recently getting caught up in that stuff and I'm in, I'm in two startups right now. <laughs> so not just one. I can't do <laughs> I can't do just one, man. I got to be like, so, uh, you know, we got two tech companies and uh, one's a little further along than the other. So we're doing different things in each one. But yeah, I'm in that phase right now and we're developing the team. And sometimes I do have to do some of those, those lower leverage tasks. But Everybody does. Everybody but, yeah. does sometimes. Yeah. Everybody does. Yeah. So tell me about growing up, Mike. Where did you grow up and what was like life as a kid? Like yeah. as a kid. Yeah. Sure. I grew up in Havertown, Pennsylvania, which is a small suburb of Philadelphia. Had a good, really good childhood stable family parents always provided you know everything that we we needed i'd say we were modest but um you know i went to catholic grade school had you know a good friend network and i had all the nurturing you need in life to make yourself whatever you want to be mike now i didn't come from a neighborhood where many people went to you know the generation my parents generation there weren't that many college graduates including my parents in our neighborhood and most of the people sort of grew up to be, you know, a trade, to do a trade. And that's probably where I would have ended up too, but I got very lucky in high school and this will resonate with you because but you, you know, you ended up on a higher level, but in grade school I was a pretty decent football player and I got recruited a private high school, like a prep school and to play. And when I got there, I saw a whole new world. Like these kids and these families came from a place that was definitely on the other side of whatever tracks I grew up on. <laughs> and it was very intimidating for me at first, not only from a, like, you know, the stuff you have, but also I thought I'd been educated well at my, at my grade school. But when I got there at high school, I had to go back into the eighth grade for math and for, and I think, language because I never had a language. And all the kids that went to the school before, they were doing Latin and another language. Mm-hmm. And you know their math was way up. So I, 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 so I was intimidated and embarrassed at first, but really being involved in sports there was the thing that just changed me. Because even though I came into the school and I didn't think I belonged for the reasons I just said, I belonged when I was playing and I 
was the same as everybody else when we were playing. You know, it didn't mm -hmm. matter what your parents did for a living yep. or where you lived. We were playing the game. You were just like me. And I, I managed to have a you know, fortunate <clears throat> career there. And by the time I got out of that school, Mike, this is the point of this, I knew that I could compete with anybody. So the confidence that I was able to build over the four years there was just amazing. And I looked at the world you know, completely differently than I had look, been looking at the world when I was just growing up on our little street in the, at St. Dennis Parish. I wanted to take a quick break here to remind you that my book, Rocket Fuel, is available for sale now at MikeCROC.com forward slash book. That's MikeCROC.com forward slash book. Go get a copy and share it with your friends and family. It will change lives, guys. I will not let you down. Now back to the show. Wow, man. How big were you? I was about the same size I am now. That's the unfortunate part. Yeah. You kept getting bigger. So I was uh, like 5'8", 180 pounds. Well, shoot. I, I was 5'7", 185 in college my freshman year. So I wasn't okay. that big. No, I mean, I'm, I'm like 211-ish now because I've really bulked up built, uh, like weightlifting, but yeah, I was a small, I was an outside linebacker. I was, a, I was a little guy, but, but, uh, just aggressive. What, what, uh, what yeah. position did you play? Well, I went in as a running back and I was a running back for the first couple of years. And then they recruited some new kids who were a little bit better at running yeah, back than yeah. I was. So then I ended up, I played both ways. I played guard and I played uh, linebacker. Okay. Yeah. So linebacker is great, man. That's yeah. a, that's one of my uh, favorite I positions. I yeah. Love I love that, man. So hunt, it, I, hunt the ball down and just go after it. I just yeah. That. Yeah. And let the big guys take the blocks in front yeah, of you. Yeah. 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 Clear path. <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell me about entrepreneurship. Like when you got into your first company startup, not knowing a whole lot, right? I mean, you didn't really know what you're doing, did you? No. But you had a, did you have something in mind, like a clear vision of what you wanted and, and kind of just, you know, take no. us, take us through that. I didn't. I when I got out of college, I got a job with a with a waste management company as a management trainee, and like I I moved around and I was moving up, and I it was like five years. So I was basically saying yes to every opportunity, and they moved me around to five different places in five years or four in five years. I can't remember. And I started thinking, wow, this is really good here. You know, maybe someday I'll. I was the youngest divisional vice president in the company history at the time, and I thought. I got the world just right where I know someday, you know, maybe I'll be the CEO of this company. But instead of that happening, my boss called me one afternoon on, I was actually St. Patrick's Day, 1992. And he said he wanted to come up and see me from Chicago. And he came up to Milwaukee from Chicago and he said, and that afternoon and he fired me. So instead of my, this dream I had, or this notion or this, whatever you call it, delusion that I would be, you know, run this company one day, I was, I was fired. Did they tell and you why? Yeah, that's a long story, Mike. Okay. I can get into it if you want, but um, no, that, I mean that's fine. We're the short story is I'd been living in Milwaukee for a little over a year, knew nobody, had no, I didn't have a vision for the future because I thought this was what was my future was going to be. I was just so um, six months later, I did end up starting this business, but it was really just me and another guy thinking, you know, we're we may not be very smart, but we. Can drive a truck and we can we can work hard and we'll you know figure it out so we didn't go into it with like we went into it to make a living right that's that's the bottom line so core values you know three-year plan yeah we wrote one for the bank because you had to have one to like get a loan and fortunately they bid on it and gave us the loan but 
future was not something we were really looking at at the time. That took me years before I started. And you hear a lot now, you know, of people saying, you know, you got to have a purpose and do what you love and, you know, do what you're passionate about and have a why and all that. And I think all that's really, really important, but it's not necessary to get started. If you really want to get started, Mm -hmm. get started without any of that stuff. And sometimes I think, I don't know what you think about this, Mike, but sometimes if you wait for all of those you know, ducks to get in a row. Like, am I passionate about this? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, do I really have a purpose? I'm not sure. Do I really know what I want right now? No, nah, then you, you might not take any action and you might mm-hmm. be asking yourself that question the whole time. But once you do get it started and you have a business and it's doing okay, you have an obligation to become the real leader. And that's when, you know, this decisions versus choices and some of the other things I, I like to talk about start to start to really make a difference and really become important. And so that first company you started, is that one you exited? Yeah, I did. Started in uh, 92 and exited that in 2015. Okay. 92 to 15. And then yeah. what was the best year, like annual revenue for that company? Do you remember? 45 million. 45 million. And how many trucks was that? Do you remember oh, roughly? Geez. We had 150 team members and we had, well, what, trucks, trailers, everything else we had, you know, way over, way over a hundred pieces. And so that's, that's like a, like the trash guys that come pick up trash and, and, uh, in developments too, Uh, covered all that. So what we were doing was, uh, we were hauling uh, water, mostly water and sludge. So we would go into factories instead of neighborhoods Uh, Okay, and we would take out all the byproducts from, from the manufacturing processes. So it was, it was, you name it, if it was, you know, nasty and smelly and whatever, that's where we were. That's where we were. Gotcha. And then, so that one, that one exited. And yeah. what were, what were multiples like then? Do they, do they give you multiples based off of like an amount based off the total revenue of the company? How does it work when you no, exit the company? No, not, it's not a, it's not a <laughs> wish. It's not a software business. <laughs> yeah. I know that's always the dream of every software business. No, we were paid a, we were paid a, a multiple of EBITDA. And at the time on that business, it was a little over eight times. Okay. Yeah, so eight times is a pretty good, pretty good multiple, though, isn't it? Yeah, it was a good multiple. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're a little bit higher now, but that was a good multiple. It was a great multiple at the time. At yeah, the time. yeah. And then uh, three years after that, I was able to start another business, and this time I did it with a private equity partner. So I did a totally different approach, and uh, we were able to to build that business up much more quickly because they had a a good size fund. And, um, you know, I was able to put the opportunities together and then build a management team. And, and we got really lucky on that one, three years into it, you know, a company came along and, and, um, you know, liked what we were doing. And, you know, we, we, so we ended up selling it for just a phenomenal, like 12 that, times. You said three, t- three, uh, years into it, three years. Yeah. yeah. Damn. Damn. That's good. And, and how many times? 12 times, 12, 12 X. Times. Yeah. Damn, that is good. That that's getting into tech. Tech's like fifteen to twenty x multiples based yeah. on revenue. I think most of the time it's yeah, revenue yeah. or a lot yeah. of times it's revenue. Yeah, so it's a whole different ballgame if you get there, right? It's uh, yeah, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, that was it. And and when you started these companies, because this is a problem for most companies when they start a company to get business in the first place. What did you guys do as far as promotion and marketing? Like, well, how did you get business in the door? Yeah, well, this was the this was you know the early uh, early to mid '90s, so there wasn't really there was no digital marketing. There was hardly an internet at that point. We didn't even have email until a few years. Yeah. So it was yeah. it was the old school me knocking, you know, calling, knocking on doors, visiting, presenting, asking for an opportunity, 
promising to do a, a great job and you know <laughs> hoping that a few people would would say okay because you're totally unproven right it's like i don't you know well yeah and they probably already have a company doing the job for them right right yeah so so do you remember what your pitch was yeah like well, the the um well I'll, I'll give you two examples one one was a local scrapyard and they had they had all kinds of machines that would crush cars and crush em, engine blocks and, all, and they had all this oily water and then whenever it rained all the rain went into this big pond that they had and that pitch was simple like hey i'm a local guy I know you're dealing with a big company and they're probably doing, you know, a good job for you, but here's what I'm going to promise you. You will be our fir- very first customer. So whatever <laughs> you want, you will get. Whenever you want it, you will get it. And and they gave me a chance. And then with another one that that we were able to get first, I knew about what their pricing was, but I also knew that I had a disposal site, Mike, that would be able to process what they had for way less than what the company who was doing it for could get it processed for. So I didn't I didn't have to cut the price there. I charged the same, but I was making because of this, you know, other relationship mm-hmm. that we had, you know, we were able to make more money than, you know, without we were we were able to make more money and I we might have been at or just a little bit below the price I can't remember. Yeah. But for us it was a great deal and for the client it was a great deal. And fortunately yeah. on that one, they had so much that they already had multiple people in there, so I so we were able to come in and just take a portion, a little bit from everybody. As it was for us, it was amazing. Maybe the competitors didn't even notice that they weren't getting it all anymore, but for us, it was amazing. It's awesome, man. So as we wind down here, what's your what what's something that's got you excited right now that you're working on, and and what's the vision for the future? Well, uh, a couple things. So I've got my podcast, as you mentioned, the How Did Happen podcast, which I I, I love doing. Uh, my 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 goal with that podcast is to inspire, activate, and maximize the greatness in everybody that's listening. And I try to bring on people like you, C Rock, and others that that people look at now and they go, "Wow, wouldn't it be great to be him, you know, or her?" And uh, the answer is, "Yeah, sure, it would be great." But you know what? You're not that different from him or her. Let's let's dig into the story and find out how you're the same mm-hmm. and what what you did or what happened to you or how you made it happen. And let's learn something from that. So that so I, I really enjoy doing that. I've got um, my book, of course, Ownership, which is a couple of months out now, and uh, it's doing really well. Got a lot of great great reviews on Amazon. People seem to be enjoying it, and I'm getting a lot out of the interaction with people. I'm sure you've had that with your book too. Yeah, people, yeah. It's like, oh yeah, so cool when someone <laughs> says something nice to you about your book. Yeah. Because it's such a lonely yeah. process to get it. Oh God, uh, to get it there, right? <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. And then I, I have my I have a coaching business for high level entrepreneurs that I call Ownership Coaching. I coach entrepreneurs that are between ten million and two hundred fifty million in in revenue who want to break through and are having some some challenges doing that. And and I guess my the biggest thing I'm I'm, I'm an investor in in over a hundred privately owned companies, Mike. And I I have this goal that I want to I want to you know help a thousand entrepreneurs create. Businesses that are each worth over twenty million dollars, or at least twenty million dollars, and then I want to help all those thousand help ten others do the same yeah. thing. Each of them, love so it. Exponential. It's, yeah, it's like two hundred billion dollars in value. If if I come anywhere, if I come anywhere close to that, I'd be thrilled. And I don't think there's anything that I could be doing myself in my in my professional life that would have a bigger impact on on entrepreneurs on you know employees and on really the world 
because all that value creation, it doesn't just go into the entrepreneur's pocket. It goes into everybody's. Yeah, it does. Uh, that's phenomenal, man. And then one last question here. One last question, and I'll, I'll let you go. I'm six yep. minutes over. Uh, the last question would be, um, shit, what was it? I just, I just lost it. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. Oh, oh, what's the most common thing or challenge that you, when you're in your coaching, what is yeah. the biggest, not the biggest, the most common challenge you hear from your entrepreneurs? Uh, I think the biggest challenge that there is, is really self-awareness about where you are in your journey. You know, um, there's a lot of fooling going on, right? You can, you, you can, you know, you can look one way on the outside and feel totally different on the inside. And I just think that people have to get the people that I can help the best are people who are aware that there's a future out there that they want and they don't know how to get it. So if you're a person who doesn't have that awareness yet, you're probably not ready for somebody like, like me. But man, you know, Mike, there's so many, all entrepreneurs, I think all entrepreneurs are just so special, but there's so many, like I was for so long, who just don't want to give into the fact or admit or acknowledge that, you know, you're stuck. You don't know what to do because there are so many people out there that can help you. It's so many people. It's not like, uh, it's not like you have to do it on your own. You said results earlier, right? So do you yeah. want to win? Do you want to win? Or do you want to win because you won all by yourself? Right. What do you want to do? Yeah. Oh, I mean, no, I there's nobody, no, nobody did anything great or man, man, like just by themselves, manually by themselves. Right. It's just that it doesn't happen, you know? Right. So yeah, I love that, man. Well, look, I want to thank you for coming on the show. You're great, man. I enjoy talking to you and, and uh, let's stay in touch and, and maybe even do some things together in the future, Mike. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. This has been a blast. I appreciate you, man. You guys have been listening to the What Are You Made Of podcast with the two Mikes, Mike C-Rock, your boy, and Mike Malatesta joining us today. Thanks for listening. Keep coming back. I appreciate all of you. I appreciate the, the support that you give me, the company that uh, the companies that we're working on, and the What Are You Made Of movement. Keep coming back. Until next time, be unstoppable. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of What Are You Made Of? Be sure to check my website out at themikecrock.com, themikecrock with no K.com, and let us know how we can help you or your business reach its full potential. Feel free to leave a review or follow me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Mike C. Rock Scirocco. Again, thank you for joining me and see you guys on the next episode. I want to remind you that the Rocket Fuel book is available at my website, mikecrock.com forward slash book. That's Mike croc.com forward slash book. Go get yourself a copy. Thank you so much for your support and your listenership. It means the world to me.